Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening again. Hope and pray you are well. And I'll add another greeting here for this podcast. Merry Christmas. Awful close. Hope and pray you are, quote, ready for Christmas. I get that asked a lot. Are you ready for Christmas? And usually it's a secular meaning, you know, presents bought and plans made and family and whatever the case. But... I hope and pray that you know the most important way to ask that question is spiritually. Are you ready for Christmas? Kind of a new revelation of the birth of Christ, a new revelation of what it means for God to become flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Hope and pray that you are, quote, ready for Christmas. So, hey, the book is out and uh, is already a bear seller. <laughs> So Olivia, our youngest, was texting me back and forth oh, um, several weeks ago when we found out that the book had been published. And she said, look at you, my dad, a bear-selling author. I'm, I know it was a, I'm guessing it was a typo because uh, I know she, I'm sure she meant to say best-selling author, but a bear, B-E-A-R, selling author. So obviously as dad... Uh, and dad jokes, and as you know, I tend to do, I continue a joke in long past its expiration date. <laughs> so, oh, don't you dare roll your eyes over whoever you just did. <laughs> you know you do it too if you're a dad. So anyway, so we uh, we kid around a lot. I'm a bear-selling author. So if you have need of a devotional for Christmas, if you know of someone who and you really feel like the, the Christmas present, like a twenty, like a um, for twenty twenty four devotional for a fifty two week, every week uh, devotional, every day Bible study through the Book of Acts, the person and the power of understanding the Holy Spirit, cultivating that relationship. If you think that could be a good Christmas gift for someone, we have extra copies here at the church. So let me know. Uh, we'd love to supply you with some books if indeed you need those for Christmas gifts. I know a lot of people start devotions by the first of the year, so that is why we did the timing the way we did it. So, all right, so we're going to jump in. This is good stuff today as always. It's fun. Uh, We can't, uh, I I almost bypassed this because there's only one reference of the Spirit here in this uh, two or three chapter story we're going to tackle today. But it's a good one, and it's just too good, and it's, it has such a meaning for me, um, which I'll share with you here in just a little bit. Um, it really has a deep meaning for me, and, and a profound. It's, it was one of those profound moments for me many, many years ago when I first read the story. And um, so we'll get into that. First, let me pray. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for the blessing of, um, just the blessing of your word, and the blessing of the truth of your word as... Um, uh, as fantastical as it sounds sometimes, as as I say, <laughs> I like to say to the church, I don't think we need reality TV. We just have to read the Bible and believe it's true. So we ask and pray that even as we jump into this uh, supernatural story today, 
a story that was profound in my shaping of understanding of the power, the supernatural power of your spirit. So ask and pray that you would bless us, encourage us. I pray that we would have new insight, new revelation, and truly a sense of wonder. Uh, we Here we are in this season, right, of Christmas, and uh, it can be a hard season for some. Uh, it can be a tiring season for others. And I just pray that for all of us, it does end up being a season of wonder, uh, a season of um, uh, just a sense of wow. Uh, I really do. I pray that there's a wowness to uh, this season. And I pray that this story adds to that. So we love you, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Lead and guide us well, we know. We hope and pray we follow you well and we allow you into our lives well, even again, brand new, this very day, this very podcast, this very moment. We love you. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus, your mighty and holy name. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to talk about Balak, Balaam, and donkeys. <laughs> this is a great story. You know the story if you know it. Uh, if not, uh, I think you'll be, uh, it'll, be, it'll be kind of fun today. Uh, but hopefully you know it. Numbers 22, 23, 24. Unfortunately, Numbers 25 uh, is a big part of this, and we'll look at that here as we close. But, but Numbers 22. And so let me, let me just jump into the story first. It's about um, a prophet, not a false prophet, Balaam. And I've said before, uh, there's really kind of different prophets. There's obviously a, a prophet of God, um, the, a right prophet. There's, a, um, there's false prophets who are purposely not uh, working with God for God. They are um, uh, on their own agenda or, worse yet, they are on a, an agenda of a different kingdom. So a false prophet. Uh, there is a wrong prophet, a prophet who is trying to be right and a prophet who is learning to hear from the voice of God and speak for the voice of God and, and speak as the voice of God, and yet they are wrong at times. And even today, and we don't have the time to jump into the, the difference between Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy, specifically Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets. I still believe in prophets today because the Scripture speaks of prophets and, this, and the New Testament speaks of prophecy. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, uh, Paul says, I wish that all of you would prophesy. So, um, or, you know, he kind of almost quoting what Moses spoke uh, when we looked at that story uh, on the 70 elders speak, uh, on the 70 elders prophesying in camp. But that, that Paul would wish that we all would prophesy and, in fact, eagerly pursue all the gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So, we don't have the time to talk about prophecy, uh, the difference, except to say this Old Testament prophecy is different than New Testament prophecy. Old Testament prophecy was on uh, foretelling. Um, or foretelling, sorry, foretelling, meaning telling the future, speaking on behalf of God to people to say, here's what's going to happen. Uh, here's what's already decided is going to happen because of your sin, or here's what you could avoid because of your repentance. So those were the, what, that's how God used the Old Testament prophets. New Testament prophecy, much more on foretelling, telling what God would want that person to hear, telling that, that person uh, maybe how God is working in their circumstance or their situation. Uh, and, and can it have warning? It can. But a lot of times it is that sense of just speaking on behalf of God to another person so that that person knows that God is real and God is working through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So short version, but uh, important version because, important definitions because there can also be, so there can be a wrong prophet. But Balaam was not either, none of those. Balaam was a wicked prophet. Uh, 
So he heard from God rightly. He obeyed God, but his heart was just never quite right. So it wasn't a false prophet. He wasn't a wrong prophet. He was a wicked prophet. And so, unfortunately, and we'll see that as, as it plays out. All right. So, uh, so we started Numbers 22, and we'll go, believe it or not, in just a few minutes, we will have covered uh, three full chapters in the book of Numbers. And uh, this is this great story. And um, we'll get to the part that was transformative for me here in just a few minutes. But So, we start with... Um, Numbers 22, with the people of Israel just all over the plains of Moab. I mean, just everywhere. And it's, it speaks about how far they go. And how and as far as the eye can see, all you see are Israelites. Well, the king of Moab, um, Balak, um, was obviously concerned and obviously uh, didn't want his... This was, this was uh, encroaching on his territory. This was his area. And, and so um, they had... Uh, he was obviously concerned about how to take care of uh, of dealing with the people of Israel, knowing that they outnumbered, in some sense, probably outnumbered the people of Moab at that time. But he didn't know, and, and he didn't know how to deal with them. Except he had this thought that he was going to send messengers to a prophet, and the prophet was, of course, Balaam. And we see early on, he says, uh, "I'll read this from verse. Uh, we're looking at verse um, five, six, seven. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. Then, now, and this is, uh, we'll talk about what the, the incentive is for Balaam. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from, land, from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on people you curse. So apparently Balaam had a reputation. And he had a reputation for being a prophet of the Lord, uh, prophet uh, or Balaam, a son of Peor, a son of Beor. Uh, so he was a. There was a reputation. So Balaam's reputation preceded him. So apparently, and now was Balak also uh, buttering him up a little bit? Sure. And you know what? You know what Balaam's motivation was, right? Balaam's motivation eventually was a reward. All right. So. So we get to the story where uh, Balak and Balaam's messengers work together, and so they're going to meet, all right? And so uh, as they meet, um, uh, Balak again is telling them, um, you know, don't put a curse, um, you know, don't put a curse on, on uh, God's telling Balaam, you can't put a curse on these people once he's beginning to, uh, as they have this conversation. So you see Balaam having conversation with God. So you know that Balaam has a relationship with God. So this is where it gets just kind of bizarro because you would think that as a wicked prophet and the motivation. So once again, <clears throat> you see the, the motivation of, of Balaam driven by greed, driven by something more, something other than a pure motive to serve God. And yet, and yet, Balaam has the ability to prophesy. Balaam has the ability. God gives him this and we'll see it's by the Spirit of God, and we'll see this very clearly here in just a few minutes. So here's this part of the story that just becomes just crazy good, right? So um, we pick up at verse 21 in chapter 22. So chapter 22, verse 21. And again, we've had this conversation where God has come. We've seen this story already where God has come to Balaam. Balaam has talked to God. Balaam has talked to the messengers. And Balaam has said, at first he says no to Balaam. And then Balaam obviously... Um, Talks about you know uh, this great great reward, 
But he says, I would be powerless. This is what, this is what Balaam, so understand what, I just want to make sure I paint the right picture of Balaam. Balaam says, back in verse 18, um, even if Balak were to give me the palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. But stay here one more night, and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. Verse 20, that night God came to Balaam and told him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them, but do only what I tell you to do. That's going to be really interesting Like in the very next verse or two, because there's a little seems to be a contradiction here, but we'll explain that, I think. And we've already kind of alluded to it. So you see what's happening, right? Balaam, so Balak, again, king of Moab, Balak wants Balaam to curse the people so that Balak can overtake them, run them out of his land, and, and, and he doesn't have to deal with the Israelites. Balaam is a prophet of God, but he's a wicked prophet. He's not a false prophet. He's not even a wrong prophet. He's a, he's a wicked prophet because he is hearing from God. He does have a relationship with God, apparently, and yet his motivation, somebody say motivation, his motivation is always just never right, just never is right. All right, so the next morning, verse 21, chapter 22, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, come on, come on, somebody say donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. Now look at this, this seems to be the, the weird contradiction here, but God was angry, verse 22, but God was angry that Balaam was going. So he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. So why is God angry the very next morning when God tells him the night before to go? Why would that be? Is that kind of God changing his mind? Is that God being a little bit uh, kind of back and forth? Absolutely not. It is Balaam's heart. I still believe to this day God has been work. God was working on Balaam's heart. God was trying to uh, work with Balaam to so that he would not be a wicked prophet. He'd be a he'd be a right prophet. He would be the prophet with the right motivation. So God's spirit still working within a wrong within a wicked prophet. Think about that. God's spirit still working within him. And yet, I think he was angry because he wakes up. I think there's this, he wakes up, there's a lot happens between night and morning, right? And so I bet you Balaam wakes up still thinking about this reward, thinking about all the gold and silver he's going to get. And, and I think maybe, just maybe, he's not convinced yet that he's going to say everything. Maybe he is thinking he's going to, because he knows, come on, he knows that God's not going to let him curse the Israelites. Because he says to ba he says to Balak, I'm only going to say what God tells me to say. So I think the reason that God uh, was angry is because of the motivation of the heart. Always, it just always goes back, folks, to, to the motivation of the heart. Uh, I tell folk all the time, it's not usually about what we do; it's about how we do it. Amen. And so there's the motivation of the heart. So there's here's the story, and here's this profound moment in my life as as a person of faith. So uh, I'm just going to read it. Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back into to the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. <laughs> Woo, this is good stuff. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? 
it asked Balaam. Now, I don't know what happened between exactly, we don't know what exactly happened between verses 28 and 29. But all we see in verse 29 is Balaam responding, You have made me look like a fool, <laughs> Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. Now, I, again, we don't know exactly what happened between those two verses. I like to say, really good hermeneutics, really good interpretation of the scripture. You have to study between the period uh, and the first, uh, the next letter of the next word. So sometimes it's three months, sometimes it's three seconds, sometimes it's three days. We don't know, but you have to know that you have to know the time and the time frame and even the context of what's happening before, after every period and before the next capital letter of the next word of the next verse. Because sometimes we read it in our, in our Western mind, we just kind of read it like, you know, da, 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 we just read it, boom, 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 boom. But in the Middle Eastern understanding and in the context of Scripture and in the hermeneutical study, meaning just really good Bible interpretation, you have to know that sometimes things happen in between the period and the next capital letter of the next word. Does that make sense? But here, you have to know, so here he is, he's saying, you're, you're making me look like a fool. Dude, you're the one yelling at a donkey. You're the one that just heard a donkey talk. And you're not surprised at that? So this tells me one of two things. We either, we don't have Balaam's reaction to the donkey, or Balaam knows the supernatural power of God. Come on, he knows the supernatural power of God. He's not surprised at the supernatural power of God. He's just mad because his foot's crushed, and, and, and he is being thwarted. His, his travel, his plans are being thwarted by a pack animal. So the same donkey, verse 30, say, that you have ridden, he says, but I am the same donkey. You have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? Balaam admitted no. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a dream and a sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down to the ground before him. And so the angel then has a conversation with Balaam. Why did you beat your donkey? I've come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. So there's the clue as to why God was angry, why he, Balaam got up the next morning, even though God said the night before, go. So he says, that, he says you're resisting me. Not, I don't think it was a physical resisting. I think it was a heart resistance. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I need to do for the reward, I think. So I think that's kind of the clue here, right? So then Balaam confessed, verse 14, uh, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you are against me going. And, and so then the angel of the Lord says, no, go with these men, but only say what I will tell you to say. The angel of the Lord well, might be Jesus. We see what they call theophanies, right? Theophanies are appearances uh, of God or appearances uh, of the second person of the Trinity in the Old Testament. Theophanies. They are uh, moments. We see them all the time. The fourth man in the fire, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego. Um, we see them with uh, when the three men go to visit Abraham. Uh, Abraham, uh, and we think that may be the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, so we see these theophanies where these God appears in physical form. So we we are at that season where we celebrate God taking physical form uh, in the baby, the incarnation, 
for the work of redemption. But there were a lot of theophanies before Jesus. Now, Jesus' um, theophany, Jesus' incarnation, Jesus' virgin birth, the virgin birth of Jesus was obviously very, very unique. But there were times where, where God shows up in physical form. We believe this is one of them because he says, the, the pronoun says, no, I'm okay that you go, but you do what I tell you. You say what I tell you to say. So the angel of the Lord is probably, an angel is probably not going to tell, and we know this from the context, God is going to tell Balaam what to say, not an angel. So, probably Jesus appearing before uh, Balaam, uh, likely. And so, they go They go ahead and go. All right. So, let me tell you the story really quick. Um, I'm a brand new Christian. I come to this story. I'm reading, the new te- I'm reading the Old Testament. Guys, come on. I'm a brand new Christian, 34 years old, 35 years old. I'm reading the Bible, honestly, for the very first time in my life. Uh, never before have I really, really read the Bible. So I'm reading the Bible, and I'm reading the book of Numbers. Come on, Old Testament, book of Numbers. That's like reading the book of Leviticus, right? Uh, so a daily devotion in Leviticus. But I'm reading this story, and I believe it was one of these times where I call Michael, my brother, and say, okay, is this real? Like, can I, I don't know exactly how I said it, but I basically in my mind, my heart, I thought, can I believe this? Because I want to, but can I really believe this? And God bless my brother saying, absolutely. And so at that moment, because of a donkey, yes, the old joke is if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through me, right? And amen. But for me, it was absolutely, that was the supernatural point of my life. It really was. God used this story, a donkey, speaking to, to Balaam, to help me understand the supernatural power of a spirit of God. So the Spirit of God, we're going to see in just a few minutes, the Spirit of God comes upon Balaam to prophesy. The Spirit of God is already working here. The Spirit of God opened his eyes. The Spirit of God has has has, has uh, given voice to a donkey. The Spirit of God has given the ability to have a conversation with a pack animal, a pack mule. And so here's, here's this amazing moment where I literally, at age 34, 35, brand new in my Christian faith, I'm thinking, if this can happen, Anything else can happen. So yes, this was the story in my life. This was the formative story in my life that really had me thinking, now, God can do anything. And I knew God had raised the dead. I knew Jesus rose from the dead as a Christian. But, but that sometimes if we're not careful, that becomes more of a doctrine then it becomes a reality. I've talked about that before, and I even speak about that in my devotional book, um, uh, The Person and the Power. But I, I, for this moment, a donkey help me understand the supernaturalness of God. All right, so we got to go on, but uh, so you know the story, right? Uh, 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 Balak takes Balaam up to the top of um, uh, actually three times and builds seven altars, uh, uh, kills I think 14, uh, 14 animals each time, takes them three different times to a high mountain, and each time, numbers 23, 20, uh, verse, uh, numbers 23 and 24, each time Balaam presents this, um, proclaims this blessing upon Israel each time, each time. And each time, Balak is just furious, right? First time, you know, what are you doing? Second time, stop it, you know? And finally, the third time, um, in, um, um, if you're going to keep, uh, if you're going to keep blessing Israel after the second time, I think it was, yeah, after the second time in Numbers 23, uh, Balak says, if you're going to keep blessing Israel, it's better that you just shut up. <laughs> That's what he basically says to him. And so then finally, the third time, uh, once again, offering 14 animals on uh, seven newly built altars. And then we get to this place. And this is the this is the verse 
that we look at. Uh, but we also know that the, the Holy Spirit has already been working. But this is where we have confirmation of the Holy Spirit. We're finding the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Here he is, here he is again and again and again. But here he is. Verse t- uh, chapter 24. By now Balaam realized that the Lord was determined to bless Israel. So he did not resort to divination as before. Instead, he turned and looked out toward the wilderness. Verse 2, where he saw the people of Israel camped tribe by tribe. Then the Spirit of God came upon him. That is the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God, the Spirit of God came upon him. And amazingly, uh, he blesses him again. And finally, the final message is um, uh, the third message. Now, interestingly enough, even after he's fired, uh, so Balak fires Balaam after the third message, right? And Balaam goes ahead and prophesies four more times, specifically now to Israel, and now uh, 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 basically curses Moab in some sense because he realizes that uh, he's he, he's no he's he's already lost his reward. So now he is fully fully um, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and one of the in fact, one of them is foretelling of the Messiah. Uh, in, in Numbers 24, uh, he's telling him about the Messiah, uh, prophesying, saying, uh, A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of the people of Sheth. So, so he's prophesying now for Israel. He's cursing Moab. Now, I wish I could tell you the end of the story was really good, but Unfortunately, you have to go all the way to Deuteronomy 23. Pair up Numbers 25 and put together Deuteronomy 23, 3 through 6. And you will have the end result of Balak, unfortunately, or Balaam. Balaam decided to try to get that reward anyway. This is what makes him a wicked prophet, guys. He tried to get the reward anyway by uh, another plan. And he sexually entices the people of Israel uh, with prostitutes and idolatry from the Moabite women. And so, uh, and then of course the, a curse comes upon Israel um, because of that. But Balaam is not uh, obviously uh, released from that responsibility. Uh, ba- Balaam is held accountable for that. So all this to say, the Spirit of God working even in a wicked prophet. The Spirit of God working even with a donkey. The Spirit of God working among the least likely. Why can't He work with you and me? Why cannot He work inside and through you and and me? I pray you allow Him to more and more. Be blessed. In Jesus' name. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.